Welcome to Mincast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 430.5, recorded on Sunday, February 4th, 2024. Basking in inner peace, I'm Joe. Back for a bit, I'm Moss. Pausing to take a deep breath, wait four seconds and let it out slow, I'm Bill. And back from traveling, I'm Majid. In our init section, Bill explains our current Mintcast infrastructure. Finally, there's some feedback, some vibrations from the ether, and a couple of suggestions. So, the innards this time. We're going to be talking a little bit about our infrastructure here on Mintcast and what it took to get it up and running, what changes we've made over the last few years and what we're hoping for the future. I suppose the uh, the man of the moment, the man of the, the year, the man of the century in this is Bill. So take it away. Well, I think I don't know if it was a matter of everybody getting tired of hearing me drone on about this stuff or if maybe everybody thought it was perhaps somewhat interesting yes and yes <laughs> combination of both yeah um but uh i think it was kind of interesting we we had to make some pretty seismic changes to the way we were doing things roughly about the time i came on the show um well we felt we did or maybe i felt we did and then i just pushed it all into um reality but uh, and anyway, at any rate, we're this week we're talking some. We're going to take some time to talk about our infrastructure here on the show, and you know, see what you make of it um, here on Mintcast. What it took to get it up and running, what changes have been made over the recent uh, couple of years, and what we are hoping for the future. Um, and when I say infrastructure, I mean like. Uh, Running a podcast is a combination of a few things, uh, and especially one or two things are really, really important to keep the show up and running. And, you know, in our case, we've got a web, it's a combination of a website, um, a service, if you will, that uh, hosts the actual files that are being played on your MP3 players. Um, there's YouTube, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And somebody has to learn how to manage these things. Um, otherwise, it will just all collapse. We don't use a service, as it, as it were, um, like Red Circle or Blueberry or one of those to uh, manage this show and, and keep the RSS feed going. So we have to make sure that these things are are uh, kept up ourself. Um, but anyway, for my part, my first episode was uh, episode 377, which was uh, titled Zero Days of Christmas. I came on dead smack at the end of the year. Uh, to say I was eager to make my presence known in this space would be understating it. Uh, at the time, and I suppose it hasn't really changed much, Linux podcasts were my favorite form of entertainment. 
Mintcast does and always will hold a special place in my heart because of how comparatively more approachable this show is. Nearly anyone with a desire to come on camera and talk about Linux can find a home here. And, and I don't think I'm overstating that a bit. Yeah, we, we don't have standards. We'll take anybody. I mean, yeah, that's... And for me, you know, the thought that I could come on and talk about Linux with people and, and right or wrong, you know, actually have a chance of doing that, I, I was really excited about it. And anybody that watches that episode would, would well, it was visible. Um, the initial fun was slightly repa replaced by a sense of urgency early on during my time here. Uh, almost immediately after my arrival, several very important things were beginning to fall apart. Uh, we were losing our free web hosting that we were relying on for some time. Uh, we were under the belief that we were going to lose our free Google workspace, or it was actually called G Suite at the time, um, I think, or whatever it was called, account, given uh, Google's announcement that they were discontinuing support for the grandfathered workspace accounts that were set up very early on when Google first got into that space. Both of these things are critical infrastructure that, if not corrected, could have spelled the end of Mintcast, if, if not just temporarily. I'll describe the two biggest things uh, separately and discuss a little bit about what we put in place to keep us rolling. Okay, so the website. Um, Mintcast.org uh, is probably more important to this show than any of my other shows in that the actual RSS feed itself uh, is generated by a plugin in our website uh, called uh, Blueberry PowerPress. Uh, my other shows, like uh, Three Fat Truckers, for example, and, uh, well, to a lesser extent, Linux OTC, we have Red Circle accounts, and Moss's show... Uh, Distro Hopper's Digest also has a Red Circle account. Red Circle, when you upload, you could basically just get by with Red Circle and not have a website, not have anything else, because they handle all the distribution for you. You actually, you do have a website that you can point people to um, where they could find the show and find out what it's all about. It's, you know, it's not proper in that it's got a place to interact with people on it, but you could get by if you had meager expectations for the show. Uh, but since Mintcast doesn't utilize a service like that, the website is of the utmost importance. Uh, before my time, our website hosting was on a service called Bitemark, based in the UK. We had been relying on credits placed on the account before my time, those credits ran out, and the service shut down the website. Much of the difficulty with ByteMark had nothing to do with the service itself, and everything to do with the fact that it was in the name of a person who hasn't really been a part of the show for some time. Uh, fortunately, I was able to work with that person to get the account switched over to my name. That was quite an odyssey. Um, it wasn't a completely straightforward uh, thing to do. There was a lot of security hurdles to get past and then getting uh, uh, my credit union to authorize the payments was another bit of an odyssey. It was important to get the account uh, up and get the website back running 
at least temporarily, just so that we could get um, a backup from it, so that we could migrate it to whatever other platform we were going to move it to. Uh, we use a WordPress plugin called uh, it's WP Vivid. And what it does is it generates a backup of not just the website itself, but the database associated with it. So if ever we needed to move from there, um, it would be relatively painless. Somebody would have to know how to do it, but it could be done. Uh, interestingly, it's automatically backed up every day to our Google Workspace account, which, as it turned out, didn't actually get shut down. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um when I started Mintcast, I knew nothing about the networking nuances with regards to setting up a website and pointing a domain at it. I knew nothing about setting up WordPress itself. These were all things to be overcome if we were to move forward. Uh, my first thought, and indeed the, the first option we tried, was to put the site on a $5 Linode, which served as a quick solution to address the need for the website to have a home. It was probably necessary at the time because I hadn't quite figured out how I was going to handle the handle running the site from my home infrastructure. Websites require a static IP address or some sort of dynamic solution so that DNS knows where to route the traffic from the internet to the service running the website. At the time I was running on a residential service where the external IP address could change at any time whenever there's a power cycle on the router. The Linode was an elegant solution in the beginning, but quickly revealed itself to be inadequate for the task. Uh, they, uh, if we were going to remain with Linode's sol solution, we would have to cough up more money for, more, for a more powerful VPS. The $5 the $5 for the Linode was already $5 more per month than the show was bringing in. Uh, Mintcast has, has historically not solicited for donations from the listeners, though there, though there have been conversations about setting up Patreon and other options for generating income. We've yet to pull that trigger uh, wait, on any of that, actually. Uh, if we are to be a zero-income show, we need to find solutions that are as close to zero as possible in terms of cost. There's no way to get a, uh, get everything down to zero, but with some intense learning and a bit of hard work, we are as close as I believe we can come. As of right now, the only reoccurring cost for Mintcast is for the Mintcast.org domain name itself which is a yearly payment of less than $10, which which I can live with for the time being. Uh, this is not taking into account all the money that you have spent in equipment upgrades. I, you know, I, yeah, I consider some of that sort of a uh, self-investment because I do use it's this helped stuff. you on your other podcasts. It, too, it has. And you did it for Mintcast. Yeah. And you didn't I have suppose to. If, if I were being honest, it would... I felt I kind of felt the urgency from Mintcast, and so yeah. And we love you, Bill. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, once it was established that Linode wasn't going to be a viable long-term solution, I set forth learning about static IPs and reverse proxies. I also learned how to set up WordPress sites and took online courses in Docker. Most of this was on my phone, playing while I'm driving down the road. 
I don't claim to be a genius, but uh, that was pretty cool. Um, I had the internet service in my home upgraded to a symmetrical 500 gigabyte uh, business service, which gave me a static IP address. This gave me a good jumping off point because it meant I can now host these services on bare metal hardware that I have full control of. The next hurdle was that now that I have an I, a static IP address, it's still only one static IP address. Websites, for example, need two ports, 80 for HTTP traffic and 443 for the HTTPS traffic uh, routed through the router to the server itself. You cannot route a single port to more than one server at a time. This was a challenge that would need to be overcome given that I have several services I need to host on my infrastructure. I set my attention to finding a solution to that problem. This is where learning Docker became so important. There is a very well-managed Docker project out there called Nginx Proxy Manager, which runs in a Docker container itself, which what it does is it listens on ports 80 and 443, uh, among others for you know ser whatever services you're setting up. But we'll just, for the sake of explaining this, I'll just describe how it works for uh, WordPress. Um, it listens on those two ports. And then it takes the packets and routes them to the servers running the individual services. Like if it, if it sees a packet come through that needs to go, it's coming on 443 and it needs to go to whatever server is running uh, mintcast.org. It knows to route that to uh, another internal port, which sends it directly to the machine running the uh, WordPress container. That's that for that website. Um, at first, I had our website running on a Raspberry Pi 400, which handled the, ta the task honorably, I think. Um, that was not containerized. That was running on bare metal set, set up from scratch. Uh, the only problem was that it meant more hardware, using more electricity, and one more piece of kit I had to manage remotely from the road. Because as a lot of as a lot of people know, I'm an well kind of over the road truck driver, and I'm out on the road all week long sometimes. So if if there are problems with any of these servers, I might need to be able to wire guard back into the home network and fix those problems. And the fewer devices, the better. Um, I mean, the the other than that, it was it was interesting to me that that Raspberry Pi was doing a better job than the five dollar Linode was, but arguably also comparatively that raspberry pi 4 or 400 is probably a bit higher spec than a five dollar linode is um for the sake of simplicity the site was moved to an official wordpress docker image container which is where it is to this day i see no reason to migrate it anymore. It seems to add no me measure of resource intensiveness to the system and plays nicely with all the other containers uh, running everything from Jellyfin, Audio Bookshelf. Uh, I even have a Caliber web ebook server um, as well as other WordPress works, work, uh, websites. All in all, I think I've got about eight websites running between the two machines. Uh, Mintcast is safe and secure for the foreseeable future. That's my promise to everybody out there. Um, okay, so that was the first challenge. 
now we had to deal with Google and their nonsense and had to figure out what are we going to do about uh, losing our grandfather G Suite account. That was kind of a big deal too because we was using we was using G Drive or, or Google Drive to store all of our flax. Every time we make a show, we all upload an individual discrete audio recording of our microphone. We need a place to put those uh, in, in addition to where we keep our show notes. And it seemed as though we were losing that. So I had to learn how to set up Nextcloud. Um, so for cloud storage and document collaboration, on January 19th, 2022, Google announced that they were shutting down the free tier of their grandfather G Suite. This was to be devastating for the show because we had been relying on that service for our free cloud storage to host our raw black audio files as well as our collaborative show notes. Uh, another, another problem with that was that our email address, mintcast at mintcast.org, exists because we're able to take advantage of this free service from uh, Google, and they were killing it in favor of their new Google Workspaces service, which is arguably, arguably the exact same thing. Um, it's basically just Tweedledum rather than Tweedledee. Um, it was necessary to come up with a solution and fast. Open source to the rescue. I set forth on the journey to learn how to spin up and administer a fully fleshed out Nextcloud server complete with plenty of cloud storage and document collaboration, and that I did. We weren't sure what we were going to do about the email address, though we were we were at the time resolved to using the free midcast at gmail.com address that the show had had for years and never really used. I think, I think it was used a little bit in the beginning. There were some emails in there from like 2003 or something. Shortly after getting all the Nextcloud stuff set up, Google backpedaled on their plans and continue to offer the service to folks like us who don't make any money off of the use of their service. But the writing was on the wall and, and truly it truly was Google was not to be trusted with our stuff. Uh, while we still use the Mintcast at mintcast.org email address through uh, Gmail, we have long since shifted our cloud usage over to Nextcloud server which is set up and running as follows. The Nextcloud server itself is installed on bare metal, which means no containerization whatsoever is involved in the actual installation of Nextcloud. Uh, the machine is a seasoned but still truly capable Lenovo ThinkCenter M93P with a fourth gen i7, 32 gigs of ECC RAM. Moss found this machine on eBay for $99 and I grabbed it up quick. I've added the ECC RAM to it as well as a Samsung SSD that runs the operating system and containers as well as two two terabyte Seagate Ironwolf hard disk drives which runs the ZFS mirror and that is where all the stuff is stored. I also have periodic cold storage backups of the data using uh, ZFS replication. The guys all have access to upload their flax as well as edit and create documents. There's all kinds of other functionalities like calendar, contacts, email, to-do list, and other functionalities um, that everybody can take advantage of. And I maintain a full off-site backup. 
Yeah. Um, in order to have true document collaborations, such as the likes of Google Docs and MS Office 365, a second server is necessary to run the mechanism for the document management. Uh, for our part, we have a service called Collabora, which is basically web-based LibreOffice running in a Docker container, which our NextCloud instance connects to as a resource for handling document collaboration. This solution works, though it is different enough from the commercial solutions to uh, to which most people are accustomed to have caused some pain points. It's been a non-zero amount of effort, though we've gotten on with it for better, uh, for no other reason than it gives us content for the show. For the time Can I being, comment here, Bill? Yeah, go right ahead. Um, have they fixed things? They appear to have fixed things. Nobody has screamed at me for making uh, for making the screen jump around today. Um, yeah, so it's not really jumped around, no. But it's yeah. I to be honest with you, I guess I could talk about that a little bit. I was having some trouble with the the actual container uh, week before last. And it might not have been running correctly, and it may or may not have been my fault because I was forcing it to run. If anybody knows anything about Docker, there's two ways to get Docker containers up and running. You can either use a Docker run command or you can use a Docker compose. And for the containers that are meant to work with Docker compose, they will put an example compose in the documentation for the images on Docker Hub, and then everything can run from there. I was forcing Collabora to run from a Docker Compose file um, because it made no sense to me why it wouldn't work as long as you had the right commands and the right the right order and everything. But for some reason, they would do an update, and the whole thing would just fall apart. And so I just completely switched to using the Docker run command, which is comparatively simple for for a container. It, it gets more complicated when containers rely on other containers and you have to be able to, like WordPress, for example, if you ever set up a WordPress site, you have to have a database and there has to be like a, a username and password. There's, you know, there's interaction, there's security interaction between those containers and Docker Compose makes that whole thing a lot simpler because you're basically declaring all that information at the spin-up time. Um, you don't need any of that with Collabora. You really just need to tell it what port to use. And um, you can give it some information like a username and password because it does have like a really, really simple um, admin panel that has a username and password with it. And so you would enter that with the run command. I started using that and everything has been, I got to say, it's been smoother here in the last few days than it's ever been, honestly. I definitely need to say it's nice not getting screamed at for making people's screens jump just because I'm trying to fix the show notes. Yeah, if I could just figure out how to make the thing with the flag with your name on it go away, that'd be <laughs> even better. Um but it works. I mean, it's it's not perfect. It's it's LibreOffice. It's full featured LibreOffice. That's 
if I was to offer any criticism about this, it's that what's needed here is a more boiled down version of this, like Google Docs, where it's got the necessary stuff and not much of anything else. That way, you know, there's less to get screwed up with some of these documents, because I think I think that's what people are expecting when they use a cloud-based word processor or whatever. But, you know, we're getting on with it. Um, so let's talk about money some more. Um, as I stated earlier on, Mintcast has never asked money from its listeners. It's been, it's been tempting to set up some kind of solution to offer those who want to help support the show financially. I'm not sure what's kept the whole thing from happening, other than perhaps everyone on the show may just be waiting on somebody else to do it. Um, I, for one, would be happy to hear from the listeners uh, whether at all you would be accepting of using a service like Patreon sponsors or a combination of several. Um, do you feel as though the concept is vulgar in and of itself? Uh, what do you think? You know, because I, if, if I would like to set something up to offset some of the cost, we don't need much, but you know, the electricity to run these things isn't free. The, um, the domain name isn't free. It's not a lot, but it's, it's a non-zero amount. Um, but if, if our listeners are philosophically opposed to it on a whole, then I will trash the idea and we'll never talk about it again but uh it is something i would like to hear uh what the audience thinks so please do so let us know mintcast at mintcast.org or you can comment in the youtube or the directly on the uh website don't be I afraid to be completely honest i will point out that in the past our users have been friendly to the concept we ourselves have not been it's it's all about like agreeing on some people have strong opinions about things like uh like Patreon, you know, Patreon has made some yeah. They've made some choices that have been less than stellar. However, you have to accept at the end of the day that if if it if it's going to be successful, we have to go where the people already are and that's you know. Well, I don't think so. I think if you're asking for donations, you can say where to donate to, and they shouldn't have a problem with that. I suggested sponsors, which I learned about originally from Michael Tunnell, because the kid was a regular listener to Linux uh, podcasts, and he just graduated from college, and this was how he wanted to make his living. And uh, I think it's great that we have an open source possibility that doesn't have all the problems that Patreon has. I think we should be open to all of them, to be honest with you, because I think I think there are people out there that might just have a Patreon, and they the idea of setting up on a whole nother account and then linking that account to your bank account. Um, let's hear from our users. Yeah, let's hear one. what you guys think. Uh, please let us know. Yes, I mean that's a fantastic segue, isn't it? To vibrations from the ether. <laughs> You're just ready to move on, aren't you? Ah, well, I'm just saying that's a fantastic segue. Oh, okay. Well, anybody have any well, questions about what I what I was outlining there, or did I? Do I never much cared for segues, Majid. They're oh, kind yeah. of funky. <laughs> Skate. I must say, actually, as a general point, just to say I'm, I have been quite impressed with Calabra. I know it's not perfect, and we've had some issues, but 
you know, it, it's a it's a very full featured replacement for the G Suite, really. Yeah, you know, our I biggest like issue it. was the fact that if someone made changes while it was going on, that all of a sudden the page jumped all over, and it's not doing that now. Thank you, Bill. And I also I wonder also because I had that proxied through Cloudflare, and uh, I wonder if maybe that was causing some of that issue with the the page jumping when they when the cache would update or something so i turned that off i don't i didn't see a reason why that needed to be cached on on cloudflare i mean i understand our websites and that but uh the services that we rely on really don't need that running and i don't i don't know what fixed the problem but it does appear to have uh gotten better now the other thing to keep in mind is we're using the free Collabora Online Developer Edition. The code is what it's called. Um, because it's a paid-for service, and it's not a cheap one for people that are paying for Collabora. Mm. Um, you can use the code, but you're kind of riding the lightning in terms of uh, the update cycle on it because it's pretty, it is pretty uh, aggressively updated. Um, I could... I use a service called Watchtower to keep all the containers up to date. Um, and it works by like monitoring the containers I got running and then checking Docker Hub to see if there's an update to the particular tag of that container. It'll shut down, it'll up, well, it'll download the new image and then just kind of elegantly shut down the container and, and then re reopen the container or spin the container up using the updated image. And I've taken a little bit of flack about that on the other shows, but it seems to be the best way for somebody like me who needs this stuff to, to be automated to some degree. Um, it's been said that, well, you can just find a, a version that works and just stay on that. Well, I don't know which one's working better than other ones. You know, it's, uh, it's quite a lot for to deal with, so I leave it. I leave it update on its own, and as long as I've got it set up right, I think we're good to go. But uh, yeah, it hasn't been completely devoid of uh, drama, but it was also a learning experience too. So, well, we probably also need to do a, a, a backup of your entire setup with the uh, Docker images and everything. I yeah. I do need to back up the folder that's got all the Docker composes in it too, because that's some of those I had to build myself. Shall we return from our vibrationist interruptus? Mm. <laughs> no, I just thought you know it is. Uh, it would be useful to hear actually genuinely what the rest of the community think and what uh, things we could do to maybe make things better, make or uh, what things we should avoid so that we don't make things worse. So as always, we always we always say, you know, talk to us, let us know what you think. And so then I'll segue on to vibrations from the ether. All right, I'll take this one if you don't mind. Um, we Go just ahead. got the the one, and it's from <clears throat> Anthony. And he says, Dear Mintcasters, I wanted to thank you all for the time and effort you put into the podcast. It is very much appreciated as I have learned 
about a lot of interesting topics by listening to the things that you uncover. It is no exaggeration to say that although I have the usual quota of friends and acquaintances, I don't know anyone at all who uses Linux or even knows what it is. So online communities and podcasts are very important. Also in a recent episode, the subject of headsets and Bluetooth on Linux got a mention and what a problem area this still is. My job requires use of conference calls using Zoom or Teams daily, and this has been awkward. <clears throat> I have tried using um, Bluetooth earbuds, Pixel Buds, which would pair okay, but no matter which audio configuration profiles I chose, the result was either decent output, but voice quality that sounded to others like I was phoning from underwater, or better voiced, but only mono output. Also tried a Poly, AKA Plantronics, Blackwire USB headset, but still had to compromise on quality. After a good deal of tweaking, cursing, and even changing up to Pipewire, I was about to give up and go back to joining calls from my phone when I looked at the headset leaflet and spotted that the USB end on the headset cable could be removed to reveal a 3.5 millimeter headphone plug. Plug that into the computer headphone jack and all the problems were solved. Lesson one, read the documentation. But on a wider note, um, if this is the current state of headset Bluetooth audio on Linux, and I simply wasn't just doing it all wrong, quite possible, this is one of the areas that holds Linux back, particularly as these things work just fine on Windows, Mac OS, iOS, and Android. Perhaps this is a topic you could dive into uh, a little more. Anywho, please keep up the fine work. All the best, Ant. Well, um, this has been a sticking point for me for a long time when it comes to Bluetooth. This is, but um, what I ended up doing was moving away from Bluetooth and going to um, headsets if I wanted wireless that had dedicated dongles, like 2.4 gigahertz dongles. So they're paired together and that seems to work a whole lot better than plain Bluetooth. But that's just me. I do find that it, I suppose it's um, it's always a little bit of an issue, isn't it? Sometimes with um, uh, Linux and wireless connectivity of some description, whether it's Wi-Fi cards, whether it's Bluetooth, whatever it might be, there's always seems to be a little bit of jank. Um, I've I've found that um, being an issue. Um, the interesting thing is that he makes a point about um, these things work fine under Android. And Android, as we know, has a Linux kernel. I know it's not the same thing as GNU Snash Linux that we've got on our desktops, but um, that makes me think that from a foundational perspective, there shouldn't be any reason why Bluetooth or whatever would not work as well under Linux. Or is that being a bit, is that incorrect? No, I, I agree with you. It should work. I don't know why it doesn't. I think it's it, because the individual devices, when you're talking about Linux, well, when you're talking about Android, these devices all have their own software stack. Like if you buy a Samsung device, I'm sure they've got their hardware firmware stack in addition to all of the Linux stuff that might so be underneath it. What you're saying is, is the problem is that companies like Samsung or Alphabet are not, you know, um, sending anything that they make upstream. Yeah, what a huge surprise. Hmm. Um, and I don't know that that would do us any good if they did, honestly, because it these devices are so... 
well, the belief is that these devices are so uh, different from each other that the firmware on one thing would be so different than the firmware on another that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, I just kind of uh, anecdotally think that the reason is that, you know, we're relying on things like Pulse Audio and Jack and, and Pipewire to make everything work. Whereas the Android devices have somebody making sure that one individual device works, you know. So it's just a, it's a matter of not enough eyeballs working on the thing that we need. And, you know, like Pipewire, Pulse Audio might work perfectly good on one person's laptop, but not on another's. So, yeah, when it comes to sound... It might just but I mean be... that, but but I mean that thing about fragmentation and different types of hardware and stuff like that. Well, I mean Android has got loads of different types of hardware. You know, trying to find two devices which are the same is almost impossible. Yeah, that's why you have to be so careful if you're routing and roaming and all that sort of stuff. So, but it seems to work there. Yeah, I think uh, when you, re I don't know that routing and roaming works all that well anymore. To be honest with you, I think you're, I think you're. Uh, results will vary i i don't do much of it anymore because i've just kind of sorry to say i've given up on the mobile the whole mobile world when it comes to linux i mean i don't know so i don't really want to get into this but you know should we expect you know linux which is made for which is made for computers should we expect that to work on a phone or a tablet no um, i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that linux should work on a phone but i'm just saying that because it clearly doesn't. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that if you've got an operating system such as Android, which has a Linux kernel, which has a lot of different types of hardware, which has lots of different types of, uh, you know, proprietary bits in it, and as a general rule, things such as Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, things like that work very well, um, then why does that same thing not work when you've got trying to attach your Bluetooth earbuds to your linux desktop or your linux laptop because those those same you mentioned some very good points which are you know there's this different um you know there's different hardware and all that sort of stuff but those pitfalls are also there on the phone side so if android can manage to do it why can't uh desktop linux uh, as i said i don't know if it's an engineering thing i don't know whether it's a case of optimizations and stuff like that i suppose there's less skin in the game you know, if your radios don't work on your mobile phone, it's game over, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, people aren't going to buy your stuff. Um, it's not really as big of an issue on laptops and desktops, is it? So I, I'm just, I'm just asking the question. I don't know the answer. Hey, I, I just, just I just think that for the most part, the people that are making the phones work really well are not contributing that code back upstream to be of any use to us whatsoever if it, if it would be at all um i think they they do what they need to do to get their phone running and it only runs for a short while by the way you know well you only get updates for a while and then you just stuck with whatever you've got um whereas with us you know this is a constantly evolving thing i just think they don't they're companies like samsung and and google with their pixel and certainly uh iPhone, there's just absolutely no incentive to no, 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 make definitely. any of that I, help us at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I can I, I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. All right. Um, so I think that's uh, it for vibrations from the ether. ether. Um, moving on to check this out. Go on, Moss. Okay. I've got a couple things here. Hacker Public Radio needs more shows. Apparently, show submission has dropped to a trickle. HPR has long had a hand in supporting Mintcast and many other shows. The link is in the show notes. Uh, please check it out. I already talked one person into submitting a show or four. Um, I really think this is important to us. It has been an important part of our ecosystem for a lot of years. This so, is a great place to get started. If you've ever wanted to make your own podcast, ever considered it, this is a great place to just go and try it out and get some feedback and see what other people think. I will point out that Di Distro Hoppers Digest had their first episode mirrored on Hacker Public Radio, and our episode got 243 downloads in the first month, and their episode had... 2000 uh, more than 2000 so it was a big boost for our podcast to have that as our starting point well how hard is it to if you've already got an established show to just start mirroring that onto he Packer. doesn't want to do that he wants shows that are original or, yeah he wants original shows for hpr I did ask him about going ahead and mirroring our old shows. And he goes, nope, not going to do that. So Ken Fallon has been a wonderful guy for a long time, but he is a Scot and he wants to do things his way. <laughs> uh, you don't say, do you? <laughs> um, yeah, because that, that would be the only way I could help is if they were willing to take like, yeah, and just host shows as a well it doesn't player. have to be a three-hour show most of the shows are only 15 20 25 minutes long yeah you just get what you had to say off your chest send it to him he schedules it it broadcasts there you go or even put on just an opinion piece if you really want to and it sure can be about anything really I mean, let's be when, honest when when we got on this show joe and i and the crew that came with us we were using hacker public radios um mumble, mumble server, server. Which for all of our podcasts it's been restarted as something else but uh it is there anyhow but i'll have to try to remember us, too. and i just feel it's it's our turn to support them yeah i agree i'm going to try to remember to announce this on otc as well somebody can remind me um, and the other thing i have here is it appears nobody is doing maintenance on linuxquestions.org it's time for the best of 2023 voting results, and they haven't even posted a call for nominations yet. The The most recent post from them, from Jeremy, was the 2022 results. So uh, I've left a message on the site. It would be horrible if Jeremy is having problems with either his health or the site itself. I've been a member of LQ since 2008, and it has been of frequent benefit to me and perhaps millions of Linux users. I've been a member since 2005, I think, and I've gotten an email from them uh, with their, they'll send you an email listing all of the questions that have zero answers. Yeah. Um, you can set up an email list that way, and I've been getting that email all these years. I've never turned it off. Uh, it is 
for anybody that has experience with the other old-fashioned type forums like the Arch forums and things like that, you'll notice that you get treated in a way <laughs> that might be less than stellar, whereas linuxquestions.org has always felt more like an approachable uh, sort of place to go and ask your questions because you don't there's no expectation you might get the occasional jackass on there but uh i well, not o- not only that but they even have space for you to set up your own blog you can talk about whatever you want to yeah. i i only talk about linux on my lq blog but you know free blogging space how many places can you still get that i mean it's it is old school uh still running the exact same way as it always has it still looks exactly the same as it always has but you know rightly so i suppose so i hope jeremy is okay and everything moves along but we haven't seen anything so say these these felt the same to me these two articles felt the same to me right. because uh ken fallon has been just saying well he he posts the calendar on hpr and there are more open spots than there are filled spots at this time. So anyhow. Okay, then. Moving on to housekeeping and announcements. Thank you for listening to this episode of Minkcast. If you like something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us an email at minkcast at minkcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Point us the post at the Minkcast subreddit. Chat with us directly on Telegram and Discord. Or post directly at minkcast.org. Our next episode will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Sunday, February 18th, 2024. And there's a link to get that converted to your time zone in the show notes. Next roundtable live stream will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Saturday, February 24th, 2024. And there's a link to get that converted to your time zone in the show notes. Live stream information is at mincast.org slash live stream. So time to wrap up. Go ahead, Joe. Well, if you like the sound of my voice, I'm on a couple of other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, which you can find at TLLTS.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast along with Eric. That's LinuxLugcast.com. You can send me an email directly, jb at bincast.org, or you can buy me a coffee on Kofi. Boss? Well, you can hear me every week on Full Circle Weekly News. Uh, every month, roughly, on Distro Hopper's Digest, you can email me at bardmoss at pm.me. And my mastodon is at Zyvola at hosttux.social. Bill? Go on, go on Bill. Uh, you can email me, bill at mintcast.org. I'm bill underscore h on Discord. Uh, I'm at wchauser3 at fostodon.org on the mastodon. Also, check out my two other podcasts, Linux OTC and Three Fat Truckers. Links to both of those in the show notes. Majed? Okay, so you can email me on drmajid at mincast.org. I still have a Twitter stroke X, whatever, but I've got to be honest, I don't use it that much. But you can get me there on a, at atypicaldoctor870. I'm also atypicaldoctor on Instagram and threads. And I have the Atypical Doctor podcast available on Spotify. And if Eric was here, uh, he he would say that you can hear him and see him on Linux OTC and Distro Hoppers Digest uh, podcast, as well as Linux Saloons and Linux Lookcast streams. And if you'd like to get in contact with him, you can reach him by email at ericatmincast.org, Discord, Discord, Eric underscore Adams, Telegram, which is a link in the show notes, Matrix, link in the show notes, and Mastodon. 
Again, link in the show notes. Before we leave, we want to make sure uh, that we acknowledge some people who make Minkcast possible. Bill, for our audio editing, because it always is Bill, <laughs> nearly always. Although Joe does it sometimes week. as well. Yeah, Eric, Eric did, did last, it last yeah. time. Oh, did he? Okay. Or Skynet um, did. Yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, maybe it was that um, that uh, brave AI called Leo, <laughs> which thought that we were a <laughs> cryptocurrency wallet. Oh, God. Uh, that was that was hilarious right? yeah anyway um archive.org for hosting our audio files hopstar for our logo initrd for our animated discord logo londoner for our time sinks and various other contributions he really is the um the power behind the throne if that if you want to put it that way the one who really makes this possible uh bill uh, for hosting the server which runs our website website maintenance and the next cloud server which uh, we've all discussed earlier in the innards and the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about. Thanks, Thanks Clem. And company. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us in our Discord channel and our Telegram group. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. Thanks to Interfection for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this episode of Mintcast. Mintcast.